It is always there. Whenever we need an answer, it is there. No matter what the situation, our higher self knows exactly what is best for us. It is not a political, social, or intellectual self. It is the core of our being. No matter how long it's been since we consciously communicated with it, the power within us remains steady. It works overtime, all the time. It doesn't matter whether we went to church last Sunday or if we haven't been since whenever, if ever. The spirit within us is there for us, always. We just have to acknowledge it, praise it, thank it, and know everything is all right now. Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Larea. And it is July the 3rd. It is July 4th tomorrow. Happy July 4th, everybody. <laughs> uh, we are coming, coming at you again. Guys, we know it's been a minute. We'll tell you, fill you in on some reasons why. But we want to say hello. Hope you're well. Hi. <laughs> We've missed you. So, yeah, we want to start out a little bit with a little bit of catch up on, you know, what's been going on in our worlds, in the world. Uh, obviously, it's July 2020. We're still dealing with the COVID-19 um, crisis, pandemic you know, uh, all those fun words that we could use to describe it. And um, so, yeah, that's that's still happening. Of course, we're in Atlanta, Georgia, and the state of Georgia was one of the first to kind of reopen uh, non-essential businesses. And now in the last couple of days, Sonia, the news has been that our cases are spiking. Yeah. Like we've had the most cases we've had since this whole thing Crazy. started in the last mm -hmm. couple of days. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Sobering, sobering. Yeah, it is. So uh, it's kind of sad, but um, we're seeing a lot with that. Uh, that's been happening. Um, and then I was so excited in the last few weeks because, you know, we it's been warm out. I finally felt my full energy level to, you know, do some workouts and things like I used to do before, before, you know, I got sick at the beginning of the year, before the campaign trail, all that good stuff. Man, let me tell you, the reason we've been on a two week, two week hiatus, it was my third time at the soccer field. The third time. We're not playing in any leagues. Oh, no. It's happening right now. It's just some pickup. And guess what I do to myself? <laughs> tell us, tell us. Sonia knows, Sonia knows. Oh look, look, at that. look at that beauty. Isn't that beautiful? I look like a uh, Captain Hook. <laughs> what happened? I, I love the color. I love the color. Yeah. Well, me too. I love you. Anyway, I broke my wrist playing soccer. Ah! Oh, I know. So sad. Oh, it's awful. It's the first time I've ever broken a bone, Sonia. That was hard. I know. It was not fun. It was not fun. And so. Here I am in a cast. I'll be back to normal by September playing soccer, hopefully out of the cast by August. Yay. But 
Yeah, it hurt a lot for a minute, and I had to get used to this and go see the doctor, see if I had to have surgery and all that good stuff. Thankfully, I don't. Thank God. <laughs> yes, so that's good. So, yeah, that's been our little our little pause. Mm-hmm. That was a big pause, Lacey. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, have you ever broken a bone, Tonya? No, I haven't. I've been fortunate not to, but I know that, you know, it can happen and it can happen like we were talking about just a simple thing. Like you, you didn't explain how you went into the goalie, right? Yeah, you just right. <laughs> That's not your typical position. Like, yeah, exactly. And it yeah. happened. Yeah, it happened. And somebody just took a really hard shot. I mean, the guys that we play with are, we've all played for most of our lives, some people in college, and yeah. they just took a really hard shot and it happened so fast. I didn't know it was happening before I knew it was happening. And then I'm like, Woo, I just put my hand up because it was coming right at me. So what else are you going to do when a, a right, ball right. comes to like 300 miles an hour, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. So, and I'm glad you're okay because I know you're worried about surgery and all. So that's good. Yes. And it's, it's, uh takes time, right? You just have to go through the healing process. Yeah, it, it does. And that's something that's the way we do life. It's time, you know, time is hard. It kind of sucks, you know? I know. We're used to everything instantly mm-hmm. changing and getting fixed, but you're, you're going to get through it. Yes, I'm going to get through it. And I'm very thankful uh, that it's just the wrist. You know, it could have been, if it would have hit my head or if it would have hit my, like my knuckles, it could have oh been gosh. really bad. So I'm, so I'm thankful. So that slowed us down a little bit, guys. But we're excited that we're going to have some more um, Rethinking Humanity interview episodes coming up. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, on, we're back on it. So, um, yes. Yeah. yeah. Sonia, do you want to talk a little bit? I'm going to put this brace on now or sling. Yeah. Um, you want to talk a little bit about COVID? I mean, like I oh, said, yeah. um, it's, it's kind of interesting because uh, Lacey and I, I'll just, this, full disclosure, we meet for coffee and things. Um, mm-hmm. We practice the social distancing, masks to get our coffee, but I think we've been comfortable just her and I getting together. And I think it's it's a weird time in the sense that mm-hmm. some people are probably fatigued with being indoors and not being out. But at the same time, you have to be responsible because you realize it's not going away. As you said earlier in the beginning of the podcast, the numbers are increasing. And some of these states are getting hit really hard. I know like Texas, I think Florida, I don't know all of them, but it's not, it's not good. Um, At the same time, I think also, I was talking to a friend today, by the way, that a mutual friend, we're saying how some people are even getting very depressed though, because they're so isolated. So the key for me is like balancing, right? Balancing being out and not being out. Like I, I believe that it's going to be, it is our responsibility to do the things we need to do to protect, you know, others. Right. And at the same time, not make poor decisions and go, you know, go to a big gathering with lots of people. So yeah. that's kind of my take on it. I mean, we have to keep living, but we can't take for granted that this is gone. It's not gone. <laughs> no, no, you know? it's not gone. I mean, there are certain people who think that it is, and yeah. start to orient themselves in their that way, but that's just not the case, and it's very clear. Um, I think what I am hopeful for is that we are not in a position in the fall and the winter that is mm-hmm. similar to where we were in February, March, right? Lockdown again, because like you're saying, and I mean this goes into the theme of our podcast here, like the mental health, Huge. our mental health suffers. Huge. 
so much. And especially in the winter because it's dark, it's cold. It gets dark at 5.30 instead of right. 9. Like it, getting together with people outside is going to be way different because it's freezing. So you're not going to do it. So, right. yes, I, I think that we have to find the balance. Mm -hmm. I think masks we're realizing now are a huge help to that. Right. Um, and then keeping keeping ourselves separated from each other, like, you know, not having these huge get togethers and mm -hmm. like tons of people in, in the same place inside is not the best. Not good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, we need to become creative, you know, which we have done with zoom, et cetera, but find ways that we can connect. Cause I think people are missing that connection, but at the same time, like you said, be, be cautious mm -hmm. um, because there's that balance and that's of the humanness of, of needing to, communicate with other people at right. the same time being respectful of the right. fact that we're living in this pandemic. It's not going away. You and I kind of touched on this. I mean, we're interdependent, our environment, it, you know, we can't ignore the fact that we're part of this world and we have to take, do a better job taking care of it. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this again this morning, but we are interdependent, as you said, mm -hmm. with nature and nature's like, hey, you kicked me out a while ago. Right. <laughs> this is a natural consequence. I mean, science, it's science. That's it's all it science. is. It's, yeah. science. it's science, yeah. And then, and then also, you know, future pandemics are likely because of kind of how we're treating the earth. So, I, again, I, I hope we can take this as a time to, like, reflect on how we're doing life and mm -hmm. make because mm -hmm. we're going to be the ones who who pay right. at right. the end. Right. Yeah. Like, well, what do we value, right? And that's kind of ties into all, our whole theme of the re uh, rethinking humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I know one thing that uh, I have realized lately is how different things are and how different they are going to be. Like, mm -hmm normal. I think I've known this, but I don't think I've processed it completely, but I'm starting to like normal and normalcy like it has been is not coming back. No. Uh, and there's, there's a loss there. Like that's, yes, that's emotional. Yeah. I, I felt that the other day I mentioned to you, I was really sad. Um, I woke up late at night and it just impacted me. I thought, I mean, it was just very sorrowful, like crying, thinking about the past mm -hmm. that uh, we won't be returning to that past. And I, mm -hmm. I remember with nostalgia and sadness because it had I been able to take a peek into the future, what mm -hmm. we're doing right now, I wouldn't have imagined this. Right. Um, I would have thought, no, that's, you know, like a story, a makeup, make believe right. movie. But we're right. living, we're living it. So you're, you're right. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it, it also makes you uh, makes me think like, how do I really want to live my life? Because, I mean, we didn't expect, we didn't see this coming, and it's it has completely changed the way we we do many things. Mm -hmm. so what are the things that I don't want to um, that I want to value and I want to appreciate and I want to engage in? And make mm -hmm. sure that I have a chance to do that before I can't do that anymore. Like international travel is a very good example. That sure. shit ain't happening right now. <laughs> not now. No, we're not even allowed. Uh, you people from the states aren't allowed in a lot of these countries because of our yeah. COVID. 
Yes, um, that's right. That's right. And even some places in internet, like in other countries that uh, are highly uh, typically tourist, touristy mm-hmm. places are going to be different because a lot of these businesses are going to be shut down. Sure. Businesses. And so it's, yeah, we're living in a different world. And I would say to the audience and to both of us, you know, to myself and to you, that you know when the when the emotion comes with that that you feel that sadness and the loss that is healthy that is part of being a human being yeah that i encourage you to feel those feelings and because you're processing the loss and it is a real thing yeah it's it's, it's grieving it's grieving yeah what we had and uh yeah of course we have to we have to live through that and experience it exactly Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, today I'm excited. Uh, I think Sonia is more excited about this <laughs> actually, but um, I'm excited about this chapter. There's really some really good stuff in here. So we're uh, in chapter three of To Have or To Be with Eric Fromm. And this chapter is about having and being in the Old and New Testament. And surprisingly enough, and maybe mm-hmm. not surprisingly enough, uh, you can see these two modes of existence in the Old and the New Testament. And a lot of what Jesus said, a lot of what Jesus did, a lot of um, what the, you know, I, I guess you could call them patriarchal leaders of mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Old Testament, how they mm-hmm. act, what God wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see these two modes of being. And you can actually see them evading the being mode and so comfortable and clinging to the having mode. So it's good. It's going to be fun for us to get into this. And then he mm-hmm. also mentions a little bit about master Eckhart, who he, I think is incredible. This he's guy, incredible. he's incredible. He's from the 1200s. Yeah. Uh, let me get That's this right. right. He lived from 1260 to 1327. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> amazing stuff this guy says and from for so long ago. So that's kind of the outline of the chapter. But before we get into the kind of the content, and I, and I think Sonia will kind of take lead on how we're going here. We wanted to just share a little bit of our religious backgrounds, just so you kind of got the idea mm-hmm. where we're coming from. And our our lens and our view of of these things, because I think that makes a difference for you to to kind of understand the content, but also how we're presenting it and mm-hmm. our biases that maybe be there, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess I'll start with mine. Uh, so I was raised Catholic um, and I did all the things like I was baptized. I went did first communion, confirmation, all that. And I'll, I'll be honest, what attracted me when I was younger to Catholicism is the rituals. I really like that part and the sacraments. Um, obviously, it is patriarchal. Obviously, they follow the Bible. I didn't have the experience, I think, of, and you can speak to this, of an evangelical. Um, mm-hmm. My experience was more you would go to Mass, you would pray, maybe sing. It was just very sort of a quiet kind of time. Um, but then there were time periods, you know, you did Sunday school or whatever. So maybe there would be like playing the guitar, you know, singing songs with the Bible, blah, 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 that kind of thing. So yeah. I would say today, I would not say I'm atheist or agnostic. Mm-hmm. I would say I lean more in the spiritual side um, is if I would define myself. And the reason I would still say Christian is because I was raised in a Western culture. If I was in China, Mm-hmm. You know, I may have a Buddhist bent, or if I was in another, you know, in another part of the world, 
I could be, you know, following Judaism. I just think a lot of it is cultural related. Mm. And I think that we can learn from all of um, these sacred texts. That's really my belief today. Good. That, and that's what we'll kind of hit on today. But that's kind of my background. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just, yeah, that's basically it. So take it away, Lacey. Do you, do you typically, I don't even actually know this about you. Do okay. you normally read the Bible? No. And I'll be, okay, I'll be honest with you. What is interesting about the Bible, and I think it is worthwhile. That's why I loved reading this chapter. I think it's worth learning. I think we all grew up with kind of Bible stories, you know, like the prodigal son, you know, like the basic kind of, I, I want to say the ones everybody knows, mm -hmm. but where uh, I think Christianity, like evangelicals kind of beat the Catholics in this is they learn the Bible. Okay. They like, they learn, they'll quote you like, you know, Luke, da, 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 John. Yeah. But the also challenge there, because I have read some theology is the interpretation of that because you'll take a verse or passage Yep. And one, you know, religion, one faith interprets it one way, like mm -hmm. another interprets it another way. And for me, I always looked at it more as a metaphors or, you know, a story. I didn't look at it if it said, go, yeah. you know, talk to the snake that you go out and talk to the snake. You know? <laughs> I'm making this up, by the way, if anyone. But, yeah. um, and so that's how I viewed. But I didn't know, be quite honest, I didn't know the Bible. I knew specific little stories. But um, I think a lot of people that study it aren't necessarily religious. They just, they study the text, which is kind of, it's fascinating. And I think that's what Fromm is, is doing here. It's amazing. His. That's amazing to me to know that Fromm, uh, from what I've read and what I can see, he was not a religious person. Yeah. Religious in the sense of what we typically say. Mm -hmm. Typically, think when you think of religious, right? Didn't necessarily believe in a, in Christianity or one of the typical religions that you would think of. Mm -hmm. um, he believed in spiritualism, and you know, I could I could go on, but I'm not going to because that's not yeah. the focus. But right. anyway, it's amazing to me how much he can see the themes that he's seeing in people as he's mm -hmm. done his studies on people's lives over the course of his, his life mm -hmm. in the scriptures and the old Testament, the new Testament in Buddhism mm -hmm. in all these other religions. It's mm -hmm. amazing. And honestly, it, it gives me a different view of the old and new Testament um, mm -hmm. than I've had. So just to give you a quick background for me, my background, I was not born into a, uh, any kind of religion or religious family. I was born in Georgia, um, West Georgia. So it's, you know, considered the Bible Belt South. So it's more of a, a place where you would see that happen. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. my dad and his family were uh, like Southern Baptist. And okay. then my mom and her family, from what I know, they weren't, you know, attending church on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. But my mom and dad didn't have me in church as a child. That was not something that was super important. And then at some point in 12, 13, 14, I had a friend invite me to a charismatic church mm -hmm. and I was involved in charismatic church for a while um, and got really actually into that and really committed mm -hmm. to that. Um, and at, at a certain point in my life really realized and it was probably 10 years later uh, that this is, there's, how do I say this? Uh, 
there was a lot of emotion and a lot mm-hmm. of manipulation that was happening uh, mm-hmm. from the pulpit. And there was not a lot of scientific data or info about whether or not this was really true. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I came to a place where I was like, I don't know. I don't know if there's a God. I don't know if there isn't, but mm-hmm. I'm okay regardless because right. I don't associate myself I don't want to associate myself with that, uh, with a charismatic Christianity kind of thought process. Um, And so, so, so where I am today is that I'm not like, I wouldn't be excited about a chapter about the old and new Testament. (laughs) I just, that's just not my company anymore. I had my exposure to all that and I'm just not, you know, wanting to like study it. But again, um, as someone who would consider herself agnostic, there's so much good in, in this chapter that mm-hmm. from pulls out of the old Testament and helps us to see, uh, you know, these two modes of existence mm-hmm. in, in those writings as well. Sure. Sure. I appreciate that. Uh, Lacey, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think this is really timely to talk about this is right now, because in the world that we're living in, we're going through all these, you know, uh, upheavals. Right. And and our world was really based on a Christian foundation. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the irony for me, and I brought this up to Lacey earlier, is how when I think of Christian, I think just the typical do unto others as you would have done unto yourself, you know, um, love your fellow man. And there's a lot of contradictions to that because we're not living those principles. Right. Yes. And um, so I think this is a great chapter. Uh, I will also second Lacey's opinion in the sense that initially I would not be super excited about talking about the Old and New Testament, but the way that Frome um, discusses it is awesome. And Mm -hmm. all the examples that he gives. um, One of the themes of the Old Testament is he's talking about being. And what I really like is he gets into the history of the Hebrew tribes, which is go from your country, meaning leaving your land and family. Yes. And if you recall the story of Moses where he's liberating the people and they go to the desert. What I love about that is the desert symbolizes not having a home, no yes. cities, no riches. So if I look at that and I interpret that, that is really releasing your belongings, is really being in an environment where you're not in the having mode, you're yes. in the being mode. And, and the choice of what they discuss in there, the choice of life in the desert is preparation for life of freedom. So to me, it's like you're having to empty oneself to even to be filled with what one needs to be filled with. And that um, Mm. is a beautiful thing. I mean, it's challenging, but I think that that theme coming from the old Testament, which is very hard, right? Is, isn't that interesting what we're experiencing today? we're having to discard the old that we're talked about grieving and yep. empty, empty that space right. to allow for the new. To make something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a, a anxiety inducing on a mm-hmm. for anybody. Uh, and I can see how um, the Israelites would have felt that way, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as they're going out of the land that they've known and into a land that they don't know. Um, I think it points to, you know, the way that God was telling them to live in, you know, in this time. What is that? It points to how uh, much of a nomadic 
lifestyle, I think that is typical for early human um, civilizations. And also, you know, maybe puts us in the best position to thrive or be in the mode of being um, as individuals. Because again, what he's saying is, and what Frohm is saying in this chapter is, leave all the stuff. Mm -hmm. And let's, let me show you kind of how life is, how happy it can be when you don't have all this shit to entangle yourself and to worry about, right? You're just, he gives manna and it talks about, you know, in the chapter, he gives manna just enough for each person to Mm -hmm. have. Mm -hmm. Don't matter any more than that. And then, you know, it's like, and then you're just together. You have, have, there's our happiness there. You, you're with each other. You get to be with each other. And then you are able to eat. I mean, that's. That's powerful. There's freedom there. But when Absolutely. ties to things, there's a burden. Right. Um, there's a part here. Just it, it ties into what you're saying. It's Exodus 16, 17, 18. Yeah. It's basically to each according to his needs. Now, that is very powerful. Yes. Uh, because what they, what is being said there is that God, and by the way, if people are uncomfortable with God, they can say all they can see, say whatever higher being, whatever word they're comfortable, but we're going to use God in this context. God yes. is the nourishing mother who feeds her children. You do not have to achieve anything to be fed. <laughs> Isn't that a radical concept? Because, wow. Imagine you know, that. Homelessness is ungodly. It's eradicated. Immoral. It's eradicated. Yes. Exactly. That I think uh, contradicts, you know, what I mean, what we know here is that for you to have food, you have to have a job. And to have a job, you have to, you know, achieve certain things to get that job. Yep. And so what I love about that is that it's just it's it's a right that you don't have to do anything. And, yeah. and that's where I think we're at today. It shouldn't be that I have to kill myself to, to have food on the table. Yeah. And unfortunately, there we find, you know, the disparity, we, which we could go off on a tangent. I don't want to do that. But um, yeah. the other thing that really spoke to me, Lacey, and I know it spoke to you, that we talked about was the Sabbath, that on yeah. the seventh day you rest. That is so awesome. Um, yeah. Because I think we as a society or culture have interpreted that differently. But I love the idea that 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 day is literally you're not doing anything. You're being. Yeah. That's so cool. And I love how he he has this written. He says on the on the Shabbat, Mm -hmm. one lives if one as if one has nothing pursuing. No aim except being. Being, yeah. I and, have and, that. and he says that is, as in being is, expressing one's essential powers: praying, studying, eating, drinking, singing, making love. Now let's just stop right there for one second. Okay. And you tell me if one of your favorite things as a human being to do does not fall into one of those categories. <laughs> Absolutely. Praying, studying, eating, drinking, singing. The only thing we he missed is talking. Talking to each other. I mean, like you like to hang out with your friends? That's talking. You know, you like to cook dinner and eat together? That's eating. You know, you like to drink alcohol? That's drinking. This is the essence of who we are as humans and what we enjoy. Like yeah. the being mode of existence is so much more preferable preferable because it's it's us just enjoying ourselves and who we are together. Right. And, and isn't the irony that 
uh, our culture that we work, 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 so we can get to that place. When yeah. do we get to that place? Never, <laughs> because everybody's bragging. I got to work on Sunday or Saturday or whatever day it's going to fall on or Monday. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a workaholic. Look at me. It does not achieve any of those things that Frome is talking about. Right. To be this human being that can be, that can actually enjoy exactly what you're saying. I have the exact same thing. I love you know, it. The other thing that he talks about in this section, and I think applies to where we're at right now with COVID, is, you know, also the role of Shabbat was uh, like to reestablish a sense of harmony mm-hmm. with man and nature. Oh my gosh, I got the same thing. Totally. Yeah. The nature, yeah. It's so important. And it was like nothing, well, nothing was supposed to be destroyed and or built. Right. So it's a day of truce in like the human battle or domination of the earth. Okay. And it's like where we're at today, we have gotten to a place where we haven't paused enough and taken right. a Sabbath, if you want to call it that, and thought about oh, if we knock down that forest or if we pour oil in the ocean or if we, you know, decide we're going to do ABC in the rainforest or if we don't address climate change, we're going to not be in harmony with nature. And hmm, that could cause some problems. We haven't done it. No, we haven't. You know what I I love about that? I'm going to be I'm going to be raising my hand and telling you that I'm guilty of this. in the past, I'm, I'm more conscientious today of really feeling like I have to be accomplishing something. I've got to go down that to-do list, even if it would be that day of rest. And what I love about that idea is if the, if we all had that same mindset, you're right, it gives us pause. We, we're in nature, we look at our surroundings and you reflect and you make better decisions. Yes. And you wonder, how am I you know, communing with this nature and how, do, how does these things, this world affect me? But we're so disconnected from that because yeah. we're like from said in that having mode, having, having that we don't allow ourselves to be, yes, to be still and to be in that moment. And also think about when you need a break, when you need to go on vacation, where mm-hmm. do you typically go? Where do you like go? The beach <laughs> or the nature, nature. You go in nature. <laughs> Because you need to refresh yourself. Why? Because nature is healing. It's refreshing. It's beautiful. It's valuable. But we have, again, we've lost sight of that. But if it is valuable, then why don't we make it valuable? Why don't we take the time to do the things we need to do to protect it? That's, you know, that's right. kind of the conflict of interest that goes on with we could talk about UBI again, but the GDP and, you know, UBI, who gives a shit if BP oil is spilling a bunch of oil in the ocean? They're making shit tons of money. We don't care. They, and and then they pay for you it. don't have the place to go to on the beach. But that's the thing. Is that's that's it. Our disconnectedness where we are in this one world. Then when we go on that vacation, like you said, we expect that world to be there. How is that world going to continue to exist? Ah, yes. If we don't take care of it. If we're yeah. not realizing our responsibility. You know, uh, just on a personal note, I'll share that when I was living in Guatemala, Mm -hmm. one of the things I did uh, was every day because we would get out of school, we had to leave at three o'clock. I was a teacher there and I didn't have a car down there, which was wonderful and everything was walkable. But of course I, I lived in the mountains of Guatemala and there are volcanoes there. 
And I'm telling if I found out about this thing called the complex hole, which is like the sports complex. And I had a walking track and, you know, there was a soccer field in the middle. So I would go. I ended up started going every day and go for a, a run, go for a walk, whatever, and listen to my music, whatever. And uh, it was just the most beautiful thing. It was the highlight of my day was wow. to get home from school to put my stuff down and to put my yoga pants on and get my music and to start and go for this walk. And I was surrounded by natural beauty. Like the infrastructure there obviously is very different than it is here. It's not, that's not beautiful, but what is beautiful? The mountains, the sunshine, the volcano, it's breathtaking, the sunsets. Wow. And I can tell you, I, I have said this and I mean, I believe that that was one of the happiest times of my life. And I believe that the fact that I was surrounded by nature, oh my God, I think that was a huge part of why I was so happy. You know, I was in the sun, sunshine, green, ah, beautiful. And and, And it was free. It's just mall. Yes, exactly. It wasn't that I got so happy because I went to freaking Dolce Gabbana and bought shit. No, that's not, I mean, no. One of the happiest things too was like I had a. I'm getting way on a tangent, but we yeah. had a Super Bowl party with the people that I played soccer with yeah. down there, and there was we had a shitty house, like we didn't. Have, but it was just awesome just to have people there. Yeah, that you're didn't connecting with money. You know? No, no, I know. And we that's what we have to move towards, you know, as you're saying, reconnecting with the natural world. I mean, that's what we're experiencing right now is is basically telling us. Um, you know, uh, one thing I love about this chapter is it talks about generally speaking that we have to rid ourselves from greed and craving and possession. I'm so glad you said that. I wanted you to. <laughs> oh my gosh. And totally, yeah, liber- liberate ourselves from uh, the structure of having. And this is shows it comes up in Matthew and Luke and Matthew again. Um, yeah. People could go and look it up. Um, but basically, it's telling you to forget one's ego and be totally devoted to the understanding and well being of the other. Now, how is that? I mean, those, that's like a Christian principle that I'm like, wow. I could, I could totally get on board with that. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a little bit different than maybe what we see sometimes from, from Christianity in certain circles, certain parts of Christianity. Like it's not as like about sharing as what Jesus was saying. Now I want to ask you, and I touched upon it because I was never really exposed to this. Can you, Fill in the audience, they may already know about the prosperity gospel, what that's about. <laughs> well, I know you have, weren't exposed to this, um, and maybe some of our listeners have been. Uh, one of the kind of people that uh, the pastor that I had kind of looked up to was Rob Parsley and Kenneth Copeland. And these guys, if you look them up. Okay. I haven't heard super, of them. Super prosperity gospel. Creflo okay. was another one. Um, and I wasn't super into this, but I was certainly exposed to it. Um, okay. It was a whole thing of like, if you give 10%, you mm-hmm. know, seed of X amount, it's going to come back to you a hundredfold and mm-hmm. give them a hundred dollars. God's supposed to like miraculously give you a thousand dollars back. 
somehow from somewhere, some along the line. So that kind of stuff. But the, the thing that was really happening with churches and pastors is like, there was greed. I mean, I, I even experienced uh, and know a pastor from Douglasville, from my whole town that ended up going to jail because wow. was uh, like saying, Hey, uh, we have some access to some low priced cars. You can get for way less than you would normally get them. Oh my gosh. It was a scheme and people took out second mortgages on their house. Oh gee. So he was making money. He was, he was being, yes, there was no cars. Yeah. Yeah. So there's certainly, and, and that's sad. And I think you see that in so many places in the world, it doesn't matter where, right. Right. Whatever you see that, you see that. Yeah. So it's a sad thing. and, And I would say that that's not a healthy thing for, for, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise people to be involved in something like that. <laughs> no, no. And, and, and I was telling you this, I, my, my thoughts always about um, if you're Christian or you're following the Bible is that it's more of this idea, the radical idea that you're giving to your fellow man, that you're, you know, love one another. And so I believe that those basic principles are something that we've gotten away from. Um, one of the things that from talks about in here, and I think is powerful world, words that Satan, for instance, represents material consumption. Jesus represents being mm. like, wow, that's pretty intense because I think we want to project, say Satan, like, you know, li- a literal devil, which I don't see. It's, it's, it's the things like greed and not being in touch with nature. And it's that, that power hungry yeah. ego attitude, which I would prefer to see as the, is that that's a metaphor. And that's what I mean about not, you know, having this literal interpretation where Mm -hmm. Jesus, who's sort of an enlightened being like the Buddha is, is actually into being. Right. You know, there's a huge difference between the two. Well, we talked about this earlier, but look at Jesus. Jesus didn't have a house. Anything. (laughs) No. He lived nomadically as well. And Mm -hmm. so. I don't know if that's a word, nomadically, but whatever. The other thing that's cool and goes back to the greed, um, and this is back in the Old Testament section, um, the second injunction um, that God gives with the feeding of the Israelites, the manna, is that they cannot hoard. Uh, And and there's, you know, he's like, don't be greedy. Don't be possessive of this food. And anyone who did, the, the stuff turned into like it became oh, right. went bad. Went like, bad. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So yeah. I mean, again, this is why am I say why are we saying these things? What's the point of that statement? He said, don't don't be greedy and hoarding, like having, feeling like the control is in having food. Right. No, be just, just be, live yeah. in a being mode where you accept what comes to you in the moment and trust that you're going to have what you need in every moment. Right. And, uh, you know, the theme there is like this condemnation of wealth, right? They talk about the mm-hmm. vows of po- poverty and property and it's something that we definitely don't do now. It's the acquisition, the more, the more that we have. And I thought it was interesting when they talk about uh, private property, because they said the institution of private property 
is justified only in as much as it best serves the purpose of satisfying the welfare of all. That I love that. Mm, imagine that. <laughs> I love the part. Yeah. Can I live in that world? Can I live in that world? I want to live there. <laughs> right, right. Um, no, and I think what's what one needs to take away from that. Some people might push back and say, well, why can't I have ownership of, you know, my space? And I'm not saying that that isn't a possibility, but I think the idea is that we are a community and we have to share what we have, because going back to your theme, Lacey, if we live in that greed mode, then we're only, then we're really, we're destroying the planet. We're only thinking of ourselves and we're not understanding that we, every, everything we do, affects one another right. and I'm only going to be as you know secure as my brother next to me brother meaning That's you know in quotes right yes so true um so I want to read this one part and then let's go to Eckhart because oh yeah let's go to Eckhart yeah. um so all positive ethical norms he says are rooted in an ethics of being sharing and solidarity um and so the radical renunciation of one's own rights, as well as the command to love one's enemy, stress even more radically than the Old Testament's love thy neighbor, full concern for human beings, you've said this earlier, and complete surrender of all selfishness. The norm not even, uh, the norm not even to judge others um, is a further extension of the principle of forgetting one's ego and being totally devoted to the understanding and the well-being of the other. Um so, yeah, I mean, it's and then with regards to things, total renunciation of the having structure is demanded in Christianity. He's saying the oldest community insisted on the radical renunciation of property, radical mm -hmm. renunciation yeah. of property. And it, I mean, again, we see that in how Jesus lives. We see that in the Old Testament when, you know, right. the Israelites are doing what God told them to do. Um, and it's against collecting riches. Uh, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So, I mean, there's so much in the New Testament that points to the being mode of existence. Right. And and I know um, I know we're going to go to Master Court, but I think if you look at this from an existential point of view, mm. when you die, what are we taking with us? Mm. What mm. are we taking? Are we taking that? fancy car are we taking that house are we taking our whatever like, like you said our purse <laughs> nothing right we're not and you know we don't know a lot about what the afterlife is if you know right. if we are reincarnated or whatever if we are though we know if we do take anything it certainly isn't uh material, material goods, no. A lesson it's a growth it's a learning it's it's a love experience it's something like that that we mm -hmm. this, you know? Right. And I think you, that puts into perspective. Um, so we know that Fromm just thinks very highly of Master Eckhart, which he was a German theologian of the Dominican order. You gave the years 1260 to 1327. Right. Um, he it wrote a lot about this uh, having and being. Um, right. He, what I love about this is that he talks about what is spiritual poverty? He is a poor man who wants nothing, knows nothing, and has nothing. This whole idea of nothing is he talks about the difference between having knowledge and the act of knowing. Yeah. Do you want to speak to that? Isn't that cool? 
Well, I think that's cool. And it goes back to the chapter where he kind of outlines what is the difference between having knowledge and knowing, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, there's a possessive element that uh, in having knowledge that is temporary, that feels good for the moment, but doesn't last. And then there's the knowing that is something that is genuine, that it's becomes a part of who you are because you actually experienced it. Yes. Um, I thought this was kind of cool. It said knowledge should not assume the quality of a dogma that enslaves us. And especially with polarization, you know, we get into this, the dogma of we have this belief system and it's really enslaving us instead of, as you're saying, instead of the knowing, not the acquisition of knowledge. They're very, they're two distinct things. Um, I, yeah, Eckhart is, Eckhart is awesome. He also says we should not be bound, tied, changed, chained to what we own and what we have, not even to God. How's that? And now I really like that. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I think that this is a theme that, um, that Fromm has written on in the past as well, uh, about escape from freedom as an example about how difficult it is for people to not have idols basically, or things that they look to, to give them the answer instead of looking inward, instead of trusting inward. Um, And I think the Israelites in the old Testament, that's a really good example of that. Um, So that's a scary thing for people. We have conditioned ourselves to like, want somebody to tell us what to think. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's the idea of the ego boundness. Um, I absolutely love that uh, Eckhart does something really challenging by saying not even to God because he's saying that you really have to let go of everything. You really have to empty yourself. Mm -hmm. And I know there are people that use that whole, that they have have the answers, right? They have the knowledge. No, you can't have it to your point. You have to allow yourself Mm -hmm. to be filled with knowledge that it's an internal thing as you're saying which is completely different. And uh, Eckhart, I mean, I think you could, there's so much about him. I'm sure you've got some stuff to share about it too. Hmm. Uh, Yeah. So he says our human aim, according to Eckhart is to get rid of the fetters of ego boundness, Mm -hmm. egocentricity. That is to say the having mode of existence in order to arrive at full being. And what we're looking at here is a difference in well-being, in your quality of life is basically what it boils down to. You can have a well-being that's actually well-being, or you can have an ill-being where you think you're you have a well-being, but you're actually buried under a lot of anxiety and shame and mm-hmm. fear and trying to control things so that you know that you're gonna be okay. Uh, whereas in the being mode, it's like this is how this is who I am, this is how it is. I'm going to be, and everything is okay, even, you know, whether I have control of everything or not. Right. I think that's hard for us to do. Um, And so you make an excellent point. And I think I'm sort of repeating what you're saying, but it says by being bound to our egos, we stand in our own way. Mm, And are blocked from bearing fruit, from realizing ourselves fully, Mm. realizing ourselves fully, which goes to what you've talked about, the self-actualization, right? Right. And from said that the highest act of man, the biggest responsibility of man is to give birth to himself. That's the job. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. So it, that's exactly, you know, kind of ties into that. 
um, you know, knowing- which, is, which is a little scary. I mean, it is scary, like what you're saying. And so I think that's what attracts people to have this uh, religion or have a faith that they can, here's the rules. This is what I need to follow. Yeah. This, is, this is easy. I'm going to, as long as I'm one, two, three, four, you know, I'm following the rules. It, right. it, it entraps you though. It really does. And reading um, Eckhart, Master Eckhart, reading what uh, Fromm says makes one realize. And, the, and to back that up, you even have scripture that's right. backing up that up. You know, the the thing I'll say, I guess, in closing is, you know, some people, maybe you're listening and you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, (laughs) how do you live without having something? And so let me clarify. And and Fromm uses this phrase um, that obviously in order to live, there is a certain amount. There's a minimum amount of something that you have to have. Right. Mm -hmm. And that existential having. And so there's zero um, arguments from him or me and probably Sonia that, but that that's necessary. That's absolutely necessary. But beyond that, uh, you know, that's what we're talking about. And I think a good modern day example of this is Dan Price, CEO in Seattle. Sonia, have you heard of him? He, no, tell me about him. he is a CEO of a, a company. I think it's gravity payments or gravity something. And he has, he took a pay cut, a big one, to make sure that every single person in his company made at least $70,000 a year wow. because he knew that that would be important and that he and that was fair, you know, and he he's watched his, you know, his workers thrive and just mm-hmm. so thankful for their jobs and his business just grow as a result of that. So that's an, that's a, a small example of like, I've heard that like $70,000 after you get past that mark, mm-hmm. $70,000 a year, it's like, it's actually doesn't add to your happiness. Happiness, Yeah, exactly. And so that would be a good example of like an, an existential having, I don't know if that would be like the benchmark, but right. the point is, we got to have food. We got to, there's certain things that we have to have obviously to live, but you get to a certain point and it's like, Man, you so the, just yeah. fill a giant hole in your heart with shit, and it's not going to work. <laughs> so the flip side is he could have said, "I'm, you know, down or getting rid of these people, but I'm going to acquire more. I'm going to keep my salary raised, and I'm not really interested in the livelihood of those that have helped me grow." Right. And so he sort of exemplifies that um, the idea of sharing. Yes. But, you know the bounty of his success. Well, and the reality of it from from what we can see, I mean, I don't know the guy. I, I see him on Twitter. That's how I know who he is. But and I think he's a Yang supporter, but he seems pretty damn happy. And so are <laughs> all the employees. Right, so, right, right. Yeah. I mean, the sharing thing is way underrated. Way I, underrated. I think it's way underrated. And I think once you reach that point, like you're saying, where your needs are met, where your food and your housing and those are met. It's something going back to what we talked about in the chapters. You didn't have to, you don't have to do anything. It is a right to be able to eat, to yes. be able to have a place to lay your head at night. Yes. And I think the Old Testament and the New Testament in this uh, chapter from Frome definitely gives us these examples. It comes straight, straight out of scripture. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what was exciting to for me to read that because I think we have a sometimes a perception of the way the Bible is and of course you can twist it to any way you want but I think Fromm does a great job of 
pointing out the scriptures that discuss to have or to be. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, that's uh, chapter three, I believe, right? Is that chapter three? Is that what, where we are? I think so, yeah. We're, we're wherever we we're are. We're getting there, yeah. We're getting there. Um, the next section of the book is uh, is going to be really exciting. The um, I can't find the page right now. Hang on. I was going <laughs> to what it says, and I'm really excited about it. It's analyzing the fundamental differences between the two modes of existence. So that's oh, going to be yes. good. That's going to be good. Part two. Stay tuned. Yeah. So um, just a couple announcements before we wrap up. First of all, thank you guys very much for listening, sharing. We ask you to rate us um, if you can on whatever platform that you're listening. Leave a review. That would be great. That'll help um, us get more listeners. Not really the point, but we just, you know, whatever. Also, we are going to be interviewing James Treckle, who is a documentarian, filmmaker, um, really talented guy overall. Uh, he will be, we'll be doing that live on YouTube on this coming Thursday. What date is that? Anybody help? Oh, on wow. that? Well, today um, is uh, the third, right? <laughs> uh, help us, Victor, put it in. I think it's like the ninth. Is that um, right? Is it the I'll ninth? Check. I don't know. But uh, so be on the lookout for that. And that will drop into an audio form onto uh, the podcast as well. So you'll be able to hear that. We're going to start doing um, it's the it's ninth. Thank you, Victor. Yes. So this Thursday, July the 9th, um, we don't have a time yet, but it'll be in the evening with James Treckle. That'll be cool. Oh, the, the real cool thing that we're going to be talking about with him is workism and uh, what that means. And that goes in line a lot with what we talk about um, on this podcast. So we're excited about that. And we're also looking to ramp up uh, to do more Rethinking Humanity interviews. So we'll continue to do our podcast to continue to talk about from and this kind of thing, just Sonia and I, and we'll also have our interview. So that's great. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's the only um, announcements we have. Do we have anything yeah. else? Uh, no, I'm just excited to be back, Lacey. I hope you keep healing. And uh, yeah, we're we're uh, we're out there again. So I hope uh, everybody stays tuned. And I'd love to hear any any feedback, anything, yes. or any suggestions. Yeah. yeah, please. So um, awesome. Well, we're going to leave you with some audio of a poem that we think is just banging and uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> we hope you guys all have an awesome 4th of July, awesome holiday, whatever. If you're listening yes. to this, like two Stay years safe. Now, Stay have safe. a great day. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. So thanks Bye. guys. See you Bye, next guys. time. Bye. Reflections on death by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. When you love, Give it everything you've got. And when you have reached your limit, give it more. And forget the pain of it. Because as you face your death, it is only the love you have given and received that will count. And all the rest, the accomplishments, the struggles, the fights, will be forgotten in your reflections. If you have loved well, then it will have been worth it. The joy of it will last through the end. But if you have not, death will always come too soon. <laughs>